Welcome to Big Boy Movies, a podcast about movies and the big boys who watch them. I'm one of your big boys, BB the Blue. I'm another one of your big boys, Johnny Baggins. Oh, Johnny Baggins of Bag End. <laughs> yes. I've I've come to you now at the turn of the tide with a a bag of bagels. <laughs> I'm the I'm the bagel wizard. No one talked about me in the movies. <laughs> I just got to the episode of Community where she calls them bagels. So, oh yeah, because she lived in New York. Me. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny about that is that my um, my grandma calls them bagels. Uh, she is not from New York, and I don't know where she picked up calling them bagels. But at some point, it happened. Oh. Um, yeah, my, my friends in middle school always called, used to make that joke and called them bagels, and I never knew what it was from until now I realized it's from Community, because yes, all my friends really like calls. Community. So, yeah, yeah, and uh, much like uh, we're, we're talking about a similar thing to Community, which is our much anticipated Lord of the Rings mega episode, mm-hmm. where we crack down on all three Lord of the Rings movies at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, no holds barred. No. Uh, John's first barred. viewing. I'm. This is the first. This is a. It's been a long time since I've watched Lord of the Rings. Um, I went with the extended editions. John did not go with the extended editions because I told him it's not worth it for your first viewing. Yeah. Um, but before we even get into that, we we probably have some other stuff to talk about, right? Uh, yeah, we. I did watch another movie um, that was not Lord of the Rings. It wasn't a part of the series. I found out later. I thought it was. I thought it was a prequel, and I messed up. It's great because I I know what movie you're talking about, <laughs> and nothing. I would I love the idea that someone would be like, "Oh, is this a Lord of the Rings prequel?" <laughs> I yet yeah, I saw it. I was like, "It's on Netflix. It must be something to do with Lord of the Rings." I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, it's. I watched a documentary called Thirteenth. Uh, you might have seen it recently. Everyone's talking about it with uh, Black Lives Matter currently um, trending a ton. It's a Netflix mm-hmm. documentary uh, about the Thirteenth Amendment, uh, but mostly just about uh, the criminal system, criminal justice system in America, and how fucked up it is. Excuse my language, but it's really fucked up. Um, yeah. So. I had learned a lot of what was in this documentary in um, a college class I took. So none of it was like mind boggling to me, but I would highly recommend it if you, because I know a lot of people don't know the stuff in this. Um, It's really informative, really, really good stuff. It's on Netflix. Just turn it on. And there's some, I mean, really chilling moments in there. Uh, It's super emotional. It's a good, good documentary. It's also free on YouTube now, I believe. Oh. I think they're just giving it out for free at this point so people can educate themselves. Yeah. Then, um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I haven't seen it. It's on my list, and it also is like one of those things where I definitely know about a lot of the stuff that's in there, but I still want to see it because I'm sure there's lots to learn still yeah. <laughs> about how terrible our prisons and our justice system are, yep. uh, as we have found out in the last few weeks. Oh, yeah, just awful. Um yeah. But yeah, this came out in like 2016 and it just has so happens that right now it's just super important, super yeah. s- relates to the time we're in right now, which sucks. Extremely relevant. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Sucks. But yeah, if it's free, definitely check it out. Um, it's super informative. Very, very good doc. Yeah. 
Well, that sounds just super. Because I watched a movie this week, and it's uh, not exactly the same. I watched a movie called Fargo. You ever heard of Fargo, John? Yeah, I've heard of Fargo. I love Fargo. Oh, yeah. Fargo, North Dakota. (laughs) They got all the best murders up there. They did at least three or four of them all the way, all over Fargo. Don't you know? And uh, Yeah, I watched this movie, and I'm not going to keep doing the accent, although I really want to. Um, I watched this movie because... Uh, it was just something I wanted to see, um, but more specifically, uh, our old boss, Brett, told me that I would love the TV show, and so I plan on watching the TV show, but I was like, I have to watch the movie first just to get into the world of Fargo, mm-hmm. and I'm really glad I did, because it's a very good movie, and uh, I obviously, the accents are incredible. William H. Macy is the worst man alive, which is great. Um, and I had no idea Steve Buscemi was going to be in this movie. Oh, yeah. uh, and I was so happy when he appeared on screen. And um, Steve Buscemi, I would say, isn't like 100% hit rate with his movies. You know, like just because Buscemi's there doesn't mean the movie's going to be great. But generally, like in the right movie, Buscemi's always going to be like your guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he absolutely delivered in this one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I loved Fargo. I'm excited to see um, your thoughts on the TV show because I do like the TV show more than the movie. I love the movie, but the TV show is great. I did not expect it to be so great. And they, they hone in on some, uh, some Minnesota sayings, and it's just hilarious. <laughs> I think one oh, season yeah. they all no. just say, like, okay, then. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah, that was, I think, part, part of my favorite, like, parts of the performances the movie was... <laughs> Everyone had that nailed down, like, oh, that's just super. Or, yeah. like, yeah, okay then. Or, okay ah, there's some other ones. Uh, but, yeah, it was so good. I loved the the police chief who's just this pregnant woman, like this completely normal pregnant woman. Yeah. Um, oh, that was my one complaint about the movie. There is a scene that comes out of nowhere that I still don't quite understand where the police chief goes out to dinner with this one Asian guy. And I, I guess I won't spoil it, but it's just like has no bearing on anything. I texted John in the middle of the movie about it because I was like, what is this? And he didn't even remember that it happened. Yeah, no, I have so, no clue. I have, I have some memory of it. It kind of sounds familiar, but yeah. <laughs> I don't remember it. I haven't seen Fargo in a it long was, time. Though. Yeah, it was extremely strange. But other than that, the, the rest of the movie is super fun. Um, and yeah, I, I was a fan of it. Nice. Uh, do you have any other movies? I don't think so. I I, I don't okay. believe I do. I've spent most of... I mean, this is obviously a hefty chunk of film here. Not only three films, but they're all extra large. They're supersized. Yeah, I'm going to jump in real quick. Uh, the other thing that I watched is I finally watched the first season of HBO's Watchmen. Oh, nice. Um, which is a TV show, but we've been over this. I'm going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I... I know that you are a big fan of Damon Lindelof. I have not seen the the leftovers. Yeah, I love um, leftovers. I am more curious to watch it now because he has a very interesting style, at least in Watchmen. Um, and I would say Watchmen is like a I would describe it as like a bell curve TV show where it starts kind of low, where you're like, "All right, this is good. I want to see where it goes," and it kind of goes up and up and up, and then it sort of slopes back down at the end, where you're like. You you almost had like in the middle of the season is where I was most intrigued. And I was like, where is this all going? How does this all connect? 
Uh, and then they sort of abandon what I think was the most interesting part of the show to just do a bigger, showier storyline. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was my general opinion. Basically, it also has a really weird context now because the show basically starts out as, as this world where you have this white supremacist group in the world that's called the Seventh Cavalry, and then you have the police. And the whole thing takes place in Oklahoma. It centers a lot around the uh, the Tulsa Race Massacre, which is something that I don't know if everyone knows about because apparently they don't teach it in schools. I think it's insane that I had to learn mostly about this from HBO's Watchmen <laughs> and not like a textbook. Yeah, I've because never heard of it. Basically what happened is in 1921 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there was this community called Greenwood and it was a really prosperous black community. And I think it was called the Black Wall Street in its day. And it was super nice, and it was basically a great example of black people kind of rising up after slavery, existing in this Jim Crow era, era and, and sort of doing well. And then all of a sudden, like on this day, a group of like police and KKK members just descended on the town. They bombed the town. Uh, they like killed everyone in the town. They destroyed the town completely. And so this whole prosperous village... Um, is just left in ruin and everyone was left homeless and it's insane. It's the only time bombs. It's either the only time or the first time. I think it was the only time that bombs were ever dropped on us soil was to destroy this village. Hi. (laughs) John's girlfriend has provided him a back pillow. Yes. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so that was basically the interesting part of the show for me was about race relations. Um, and sort of how the police are involved with all that. And obviously with our current times, it takes on kind of a different context. Um, and, and that's why I say in the middle, because we sort of find out this white supremacist police dynamic is not all it seems. And then it kind of abandons that for something else that I won't spoil. Okay. So, yeah, that was, that was Watchmen. I will say Damon Lindelof clearly has very high respect for the original graphic novel because this is a direct sequel to the graphic novel. It's not associated with the movie universe at all. Okay. Uh, and so I appreciated all the little nods and, and references to the graphic novel and the way they handle kind of the fallout of everything that happens. Um, I don't think all of it totally works, but it's, it's clear that he had great like reverence for it, which I appreciated. Interesting. I, yeah, yeah. I watched the first episode and then, I just didn't. I, I was busy at the time. I can't remember exactly why I stopped, but um, I did like the first episode, and I love Damon Lindelof because Leftovers is like my favorite show. Um, but yeah, I could see the bell curve thing for sure. Like it wasn't, it didn't catch catch my attention as much as Leftovers did, which I think Leftovers yeah, is gets, rising constantly, like rising and getting better and better. Yeah, it gets better, and then at a certain point, they commit like two or three episodes in a row to flashbacks and origin stories and you're like no i want i want the story to keep going like don't uh, keep pulling me back to this past stuff gotcha um, but, and that's all in service of the the plot line that they go with ultimately yeah. that's a Lind- lindelof so, does that in left leftovers a couple times i feel like but they're not like flashbacks they're just like episodes that focus on one character which in my yeah opinion, that's that's basically ones. what i mean it's it's like that but it's it's I wanted to continue the story there. The episodes, I think, commit a little bit too hard to what's happening in the past. And we're already so deep into the season. That yeah. you're like, what, But what's actually happening here? Yeah. 
That's a mistake. Yeah, usually those episodes were like at the beginning of the leftover seasons. Like it was usually episode two or three. He would just do that. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, I will also say his music choices for Watchmen are fantastic. Uh, there's an episode that has a lot to do with Dr. Manhattan and like almost every song he plays in the episode has the word blue in the title. Like uh, Rhapsody in Blue is like the opening song for it, which is perfect. Uh, so yeah, I really like the music in it. Nice. Yeah, he he has really good songs. I think I have like a whole playlist of leftover songs on my in my library. Like just mm. really good at picking songs. <laughs> I love his yeah. music taste. Um, okay. Yeah, I definitely want to watch that. I've still been as far as TV shows for me, I've still been watching Community. Um have we watched mm. any other shows besides Community? I can't remember. John's no. polling the audience. <laughs> Mar- the audience has said no. been now Miriam's been watching the real housewives of Beverly Hills and I guess I technically have it points but okay not on purpose really <laughs> any any strong like analysis or critique you have for that I mean, any sort of cinematic notes I'm not the biggest fan of reality TV but I don't know at some points like I felt like I don't know I felt like <laughs> I could see some fake moments like people were getting like someone killed a bee and there was like a lot of drama over it and i was like well you can't kill a bee john they're dying (laughs) i guess so like (laughs) one girl was just like crying about it and the other girls were like (laughs) it's not not a big deal i was just killing a bee that bee was jerry seinfeld john (laughs) that's why it was a big deal (laughs) um yeah and then they like one of them hired like a dog trainer and he was like fucking kneeing the dog and i was like that's pro- this isn't good <laughs> i don't like watching they, this they hired a dog trainer and he came in with like two of those electric fly swatters <laughs> and just started swatting bees out of the air left and right <laughs> i hate bees <laughs> like, they a- must die they are my mortal enemy <laughs> i came here to do two things kill bees and train dogs and i'm all out of dogs <laughs> fantastic yeah Should we we talk about this Lord of the Rings film series? Yeah, I guess we could talk about Lord of the Rings. I just have one question for you, John. Yeah, go ahead. Do you bleed? (laughs) No. It's me, Batman. Do you bleed? (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, you better at least have some predictions about Zachary (laughs) Snyder's cut of the justice league I ble- coming to hbo max in 2021 i bleed predictions that's what i bleed <laughs> oh that's that's great i love pe- when people bleed <laughs> <laughs> that's the i know that scene line. is from batman v superman the the line do you bleed i believe comes up in justice league mm. but we should that scene in batman v superman it is astonishing how like how huge of an asshole both Batman and Superman are yeah. in that scene. I don't like either of them. I'm like, aren't I supposed to be rooting for someone in this movie? These guys both suck. And they're just like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The movie's weird. <laughs> the movie's very weird. I mean, yeah. you're just like, well, I was rooting for Batman because I like Batman better than Superman. I think I don't like mm. Superman. Yeah, Batman just fucking murders people, which is badass. Yeah, he has a gun now. <laughs> Yeah, Batman. I'll never forget when I saw that trailer for Batman v Superman and there was just a shot of Batman holding a machine gun. And I was like, this is going to be special. (laughs) This is for this is for Batman fans only. Clearly, 
this is for the biggest this is for the Batman fans who have waited too long to see Batman shoot many bullets out of a gun. That's actually my prediction that um Batman's going to come in wielding so many guns in this Snyder cut edition. <laughs> He's at one point going to have double pistols. Um mm-hmm. he'll have a full-on sniper. It's going to be really cool. Um, he's, he's it's going to be a whole arsenal of, of sort of bat guns, and he's going to constantly talk about the Second Amendment. Yeah, I mean, they, they Snyder's really mad. They missed out on the whole subplot where Batman goes to Alabama, and he gets really into gun <laughs> culture and shooting guns. He goes to a gun show, and he's like, you mean I can buy all of these without a, a background check? You're like, yeah, Batman, take your pick. Uh, yep, yeah, and then he just... But he buys the whole thing and he's just at the range with his buddies. I mean, <laughs> that's how it yeah, goes. And he's always in his Batman armor the whole time <laughs> while he's doing all these gun related things. Yeah. And they always, they're always talking, all of him and his buddies are talking about how S- Superman's um, that libtard scum Superman. <laughs> that actually is another facet of Watchmen. They basically like go into a world where Robert Redford becomes the president and he's like super liberal and he actually does end up taking a bunch of people's guns. So that's like yeah. a part of the show. So maybe we were, I mean, Watchmen is DC. Maybe we work that in too is like an angle. Yeah. Maybe we get the Lindelof cut of Justice yeah. League. The Lindelof cut. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Batman shoots a bunch of people and you go, yeah, it was self-defense. I'm Batman and I'm defending myself. <laughs> self-defense, I swear. I'm in Florida, all right? This counts as self-defense. <laughs> Have you been here? Everyone's terrible. <laughs> Gotham is in Florida. You didn't know? <laughs> <laughs> that would be wild. Yeah. Well, Gotham is apparently like across the river from Metropolis and, and Snyderverse. So oh. I guess they're both in Florida. Yeah, they must be. It's like a Twin yeah. City situation. They must be in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, so my prediction for this week is going to be... Um, so this actually ties into our Lord of the Rings discussion. Essentially, the beginning of Justice League is basically the beginning of Lord of the Rings. Because you know at the beginning of Lord of the Rings, they do a whole speech. You know, 12 rings went to the kingdoms of man. Three rings went to the elves. Um, in Justice League, they have this mother box, I think it's called... And Steppenwolf really wants the box. And so there are three races. Um, There's humans, I think Amazons, and a third one. That's (laughs) definitely maybe Atlanteans, but probably not. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It doesn't matter because they split the box into three pieces and they're like, everyone is in charge of protecting their box. Um, But the box is super powerful and all corrupting, like something else we know. And so... The Amazonians lock it away in the vault. The third race do a thing with it, probably. And then there is a scene where the race, the race of man uh, decides that no one should have the box and no one should know where it is because they don't want any of the greedy humans getting their fingers on yeah. it. So <laughs> there is a scene in Justice League where three men in like old-timey armor um, dig a hole that's about like six feet deep, I would say. And just bury the box in that. Like, not even six feet deep. It is a very shallow hole. And they're like, this is our grand plan for protecting this box. They're just going to put dig a shallow hole in the woods and put the box in it. Mm. Um, so I think in the Snyder Cut, the way we're going to fix this is they're going to make a big deal about how deep the hole is. 
they're gonna because the humans look really fucking stupid in this movie because they're they're taking this incredible dangerous treasure from an alien civilization and being like it should be safe here <laughs> this this like obvious pickup shot we did in Zack snyder's backyard wow um, so they're gonna have a whole scene where they're digging out the hole they're gonna do that thing where they throw like a glow stick down it to see how deep it is wow and they're gonna be like this now this is safe this is a good hole for this box. <laughs> and that's going to be a nice correction because clearly Joss Whedon was lazy with that. That's that's what that was. Joss, um, always they, lazy. They had an hour on set and they're like, let's just see how far we can dig with the hour we have and get this shot and go home. <laughs> um, but thanks to the magic of computer technology, we will have the deepest hole Um It'll basically be like Zack Snyder's other favorite hole, the uh, Spartan Death Pit or whatever it was called in 300. Uh, and then they'll they'll set up like the prequel to, this will be the prequel to Journey to the Center of the Earth. Um, oh, Brendan Fraser does like a swan dive yeah. into the hole after the box. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> I, I have to find the center of the earth. I assume that's what that movie's yeah, about. It's just like one dude's just like, I kind of just want to see what the center of the earth's like, so I might as well try. Yeah, I, we have to find it. That's what the movie's <laughs> I about. I don't know where it is. Where is the center of we, the earth? I, they say if you just dig a deep enough hole, you'll find it, but that can't be right. Right, guys? Wait, what do flat earthers think about that, that movie, Journey to the Center of the Earth? Oh, they hate it because there is the center of the earth is like in the middle of the Pacific, I assume. Yeah, it's for them. Yeah, it's just a spot in the map. You could stand at the center of the earth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess maybe it would be the North Pole. Uh, that could be it. I don't know what flat. I'm not up to date on the flat earth map. Yeah, what it looks like I'm not up to date. Yeah. Oh, also secondary prediction is they're going to talk a lot about flat earth in, <laughs> in Justice League Snyder cut. I mean, that was a given. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, Superman's going to be like, I have an idea. I'll fly around the world and punch him from behind. And they'll be like, can't do that, Superman. That would be hilarious. <laughs> like, Why not? If, if one of the p- people in the Justice League was just like a flat earther and they were all like, come on. An adamant flat earther. Yeah. <laughs> like the Flash Superman was. flies. Yeah, so the Flash like runs and then accidentally runs off the edge of the earth. And he's like, oh, no, they were right. <laughs> he just falls into like whatever is on the edge of the earth. That's Zack Snyder. Like Snyder Guts just like outing himself as a flat earther. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Superman talks about like all the the like airline flights that are impossible yeah. because the earth is, earth is flat. <laughs> what are some- you can't get a direct flight f- from Sydney to Argentina. It's it's too far. The plane will run out of fuel. <laughs> so what what are why are there all these connecting flights, huh? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, what's happening will be a big phrase in the What's movie. happening? <laughs> Joker comes in he's like, "What's happening?" Yeah, yeah, it'll be another Aquaman uh, added to the pantheon of like Wahoo and my man. <laughs> Aquaman will also say, "What's happening? What's happening?" <laughs> God, Justice League. This Snyder cut's gonna be insane. I want, dude. I can't wait so till good. all our predictions come together, and then we could just like read them all off <laughs> on what's gonna happen in this oh, movie. Oh my God, we should start writing them down, and then once the Snyder cut comes out, we will review and see if we got anything <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Charlie, write those down for us. You're our super fan, right? Yeah, Charlie, super fan. Write down our Justice League. Post it to our subreddit. Um, all right. 
let's talk about Lord of the Rings. That's what Charlie's waiting for. He also said you're turning into a robot and freezing, which okay, you were for a On little bit. End, I'm fine. You were for a little bit, but I don't think it's a problem anymore. So okay, I don't know how to fix it when it happens again, but. <laughs> Let's keep going. It's all good. My internet should hold out. We won't have another gladiator situation. Yes. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Small. Wow. I do. That's the Lord of the Rings song. The music in this in this trilogy was amazing. I don't think anyone's really heard of Lord of the Rings before. It's It was like a small movie that came out. A uh, small set yeah. of movies came out in the early 2000s. Kind of went under the radar. Um, yeah, a little indie films. Um, yeah. You know, didn't really do anything for anyone. Uh, Peter Jackson certainly has no reputation. Any, uh, like, he never had a reputation. This didn't give him a reputation. Mm. It was just sort of, you know, who's this awesome, This New Zealand guy? Yeah. What's he doing with, with <laughs> all these midgets in the woods? Yeah, they actually made a country for this movie, which is crazy for an indie movie. They legit built... Yeah. Um, this new country called New Zealand off the coast of Australia. They just dumped a bunch. They basically yeah, they, Minecraft it. Uh, Minecraft that shit. <laughs> yes. Block by block, they <laughs> built New Zealand so they could film uh, Lord of the Rings in that location. Because as we've learned in this movie, New Zealand is apparently just everything. Oh, my God. Like every kind of place you need, New Zealand has it. I was like, this is... It reminded me of like Breath of the Wild. I was like, this map has everything, yeah. just like Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, they put, I mean, they spent so much money on that, on building New Zealand, that they couldn't really market the movie, and that's why no one's heard of it. Uh, they just couldn't market it at all. Yeah. <laughs> they spent all of their all of their money on Minecraft blocks to build New Zealand. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, this is the first time I have indulged on... Uh, two of these films. I saw the first one before a couple of years back, but I didn't remember it that well. I watched it on, on a road trip on my tiny laptop that, oh, um, yeah, I wasn't really paying that much attention. So I knew I had to rewatch it eventually. Um, so I, I consider I can, as I rewatched the first one, I had a completely different opinion. So I definitely, I basically considered it my first watch, um, because I was not paying attention the first time. Um, yeah well i guess this will be kind of tough but let's i guess let's do some general impressions i mean i'm sure everyone's seen this now now that you've seen it everyone's seen it oh yeah um but yeah what's what's your overall feeling for like the lord of the rings trilogy for all of them um for all of them you could break it down by movie um whatever you want to do i don't know what should we do we should have had a plan going into this but let's i'll do i'll do i'll go one by one here uh, we yeah. could switch off one by one if you want to. Um, okay, sure. That works. So let's the Fellowship of the Ring. That's the first one. The very first one. Um, and my God, I I love I loved this movie so much. Um, it was I was just drawn into the world immediately uh, and in an amazing way, even from even from the very beginning where we're getting backstory like I was just immediately drawn in. Um, we, we go to the Shire and I, I mean, immediately I'm just loving just the scenery. Obviously it's a beautifully shot film. The scenery is beautiful, but the characters are freaking amazing too. I think there's only one character in this whole trilogy that I'm not the biggest fan of and the storyline I'm not the biggest fan of, but, um, which I'll get more into later because in the first film, it wasn't that bad at all. I think once we got to the end, I didn't care as much, but, um, 
I, I loved this entire, I mean, just this, this group of, I guess, I, I watched a review today that described it perfectly when the fellowship first comes together. It's, they, it's like the Avengers moment in Endgame or something like that, but in the first movie. And it's super yeah. impressive that they're able to like connect you to these characters so quickly that it's like in the first movie, you already feel that um, for, for the fellowship, even though they like none of them really particularly are friends at first or like each other, like even are, and some of them have ulterior motives and all this stuff. Um, you're still like, that's a group of friends. Um, and especially by the end. <laughs> Uh, now those, those people there, <laughs> those are some friends. Yeah, and I think the reason why I like, I'll get more into why I, I like this this one a ton is because it just has like such an adventurous feel. It's so adventurous and amazing and uh, just fun the whole time. Um, and, and you know, you turn the corner, there are deaths you don't expect. All this stuff, it's crazy. I I liked yeah. it. I liked it till the very end. Amazing amazing film yeah so yeah you're i'm complete with you that uh, the opening sequence of this movie is so good just explaining uh everything is so engaging and so interesting mm -hmm. and getting to see sauron just fucking knock people out with his flail mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's really magical of course we have uh kate blanchett i believe that's her gladriel doing the the narration for that opening scene mm. um yeah, everyone who's cast as an elf in this movie is so incredibly perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I think it's Fellowship is definitely the most intimate movie, which I think works to its advantage because there's the only major battle scene in it is in the opening sequence, which is still a great battle sequence. Um, but yeah, it gives us a lot of time to make sense of the characters, get to know them. And yeah, I mean, the cast clearly had an instant chemistry. I know that. I think everyone in the cast got a tattoo after this, uh, much like the cast of the movie Suicide Squad <laughs> got matching tattoos. Same exact um, uh, prestige of film as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. I think one won a few more Oscars. <laughs> but but um, they both won Oscars. <laughs> yes, they are both Academy Award winning films, so they are the same in that regard. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, they clearly had like an immediate chemistry and camaraderie that works so well. If you watch the... Uh, behind the scenes making of docs you can tell everyone beca became super close on set um those making of docs are super interesting and i hope you were able to watch them at some point yeah, i'm down um but yeah and so i mentioned this at the beginning but i'll reiterate i watched the extended editions john watched the theatrical releases and um i would say the extended edition for fellowship definitely drags a little bit because the movie is so in intimate it spends a lot of time on character stuff mm. um to the point where i was my attention was lost a little bit but i think the movie is ultimately still great even with all the extra stuff nothing felt super out of place um and i'll, I'll mention my extended thoughts as we get to the next few movies okay. and i will say my favorite thing about the extended editions is that each movie is two discs and the first disc for Fellowship ends exactly when uh, Elrond says the phrase Fellowship of the Ring. Wow. He's like, <laughs> he, they, they all stand together in their group. And he goes, you will be the Fellowship of the Ring. And then the movie goes black. 
and it says story continues on disc two. And I was like, oh, damn, <laughs> he said it. <laughs> That's sick. They say, I think they say yeah. the title of each movie in each movie. Don't they? I don't think they do. They say two towers and two towers. Maybe they don't say it, but there is a point. There's some point where the two towers are on screen together, obviously. Yes, um, <laughs> there are the, the titular two towers. Yes. Um, which, which do they like folk? I don't know. The, the, I get, there are two towers, but how much yeah, do they focus it's definitely on the, the weakest one? name? Yeah, they barely focus on the second tower till the third movie. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, this one was more about one of the towers. The second one was. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I guess I can get into that one, which um, I thought was unfortunately the weakest one in my opinion. Um, but I think it was mainly because I, w- I watched them so close together and I-, I think this one is more, the first one, as I was saying, was more about adventure and this one was more about battles and fight and war scenes and stuff like that, which I can appreciate as well. Um, but I think I went into this wanting more of the first one, which you still get some of, but definitely not as much. Uh, so I was, I, yeah. I, I kind of was missing that. I think this one dragged a little bit more, felt a little bit longer. Um, these movies are so long. I think this was the only one that really like at points I was like, okay, this is long. Uh, the other two, I was just like constantly like I could watch this all day. Um, but this, this yeah. one dragged a little bit more, but I will say the, the, uh, battle of Helm's deep fucking fantastic. Loved it. Um, like perfect, P- just perfect. Uh, really good. Yeah. I mean, you look at this and like the year it came out and compare it to any game of Thrones <laughs> yeah. battle. And this still holds up against all of those. hundred um, percent. And, and I, I think we'll talk when we get more into it. Um, but the, I think there's a reason that these movies hold up so incredibly well as far as all the battles and all the effects and everything. Um, and yeah, and I, I would say also for your thing of like you wanting more of the first movie, I think that's kind of the point in a way because the fellowship uh, comes together and disbands in one movie. Mm-hmm. Basically, we learn that like as long as the ring is around, you just can't have the fellowship. It, it doesn't work yeah. because everyone wants the ring. So Frodo kind of has to do it alone with Sam. Yeah. So I think tonally it, it works for me because we're sort of entering this larger world knowing that like this great evil is continuing to build and that's like it's very clear why this ring has to go. Yeah. I think it works. It works for me as I get more used to it because the it, the third one is also that doesn't have it as, that much of an adventure feel either. But at that point I'm used mm-hmm. to it and I'm like, okay. I think I was just wanted more of that at the beginning, um, which made me a little bit bored by some of the things. But yeah, yeah, I I agree that it had to happen. And I think, yeah, that that choice was good in in the end. Yeah, I also I also agree with you after watching this that I also think Two Towers is the weakest one, which I think is kind of an unpopular opinion um, because I think everyone loves the Battle of Helm's Deep so much that it kind of just slants them towards this yeah, movie in general. I could see that. Um, my main issue with Two Towers is ultimately that, like, um, if you asked, like, someone who the protagonists of these movies are, you would say Frodo and Sam, probably. Like, they're the emotional center of the movie. They're the heart of the whole story. And you get very, very little of Frodo and Sam in Two Towers. Yeah, that's true. Um 
Their their story is basically like they're walking, they meet Gollum for the first time, they get kidnapped. Uh, it's it's like this big sort of sidetrack, and then they finally get back on on their way to Mordor by the time they're in the third movie. Yeah. Um. So that was one of my main things was I was like, oh, like these dudes that I love and are, are on the front of every DVD box are kind of like not really not really here. We're we're focusing on some some more like greater lore stuff with all the other characters. Yeah. Which I I enjoyed some of like the side like the new characters introduced once we get to um. God, now I can't even remember the name of these places. But once we get to the new places, uh, Rohan, yeah, Rohan, and stuff like that, I enjoyed some of these small little things. I l- really liked Gandalf's return as Gandalf the White. That was great. Yep. Um, yeah, and I'm not saying those parts were bad. Those yeah. parts are like objectively great. Yeah. Uh, that was sort of my main thing. Is I was surprised to be like, oh yeah, like I want to see more of Sam yeah. and Frodo because they're everyone's favorites. I agree. Um, and they're they're sort of doing their own thing. Yeah, I think that that was another bit like. The first one was definitely about them, and then the second one mm-hmm. didn't feel like it was about them. It was more about, I guess, general Middle Earth. Like it felt like it was just about Middle Earth and like yeah. what was happening because of all of this. Um, yeah, it was more Game of Thrones yeah. in that way, where we're we're seeing everything going on in the politics and the evil curses and all yeah. That. And now when I now when I see the interviews of George R. R. Martin saying that Game of Thrones was basically inspired by by lord of the rings um the books like i clearly see like in this the two towers and the last one like the way they switched between stories is super game of thronesy um and it's Mm -hmm. not no longer about central characters like game of thrones they have their like top build characters or whatever but still you jump around to everyone right yeah game of thrones had a protagonist for one season and then they were like now it's just about everything yeah um but yeah, I definitely like. I think Frodo and Sam's story is like the strongest, so I, I definitely missed it the most, um, or at least, yeah. I think at the end, it, I would call it the strongest. I, I like their characters the most, at least. Um, yeah, and and Smeagol's not not bad either. I think he's got a great story storyline. So yeah, that's that yeah. really picks up in the third one mainly. So yeah, let's talk about Return General Impressions of Return of the King. Um, yeah, I think this was if. <sighs> fantastic finale really good uh back yeah i definitely a step up from the two towers i really I, it had everything that i feel the first two had i felt more adventurous in it there's some more adventurous moments some cool creatures stuff like that we got to see like the big spider um yeah and uh, we still got some very good battle sequences as well um which gave me chills. And we, of course we got Legolas being badass still. Um, <laughs> yeah. Legolas climbing up that elephant is so fucking cool. <laughs> him like surfing down on the shield that was in the two towers, but him like surfing down the stairs mm-hmm. on that shield. Like, God, he's so, he's such a badass in these movies. Um, and you like, I like how you <laughs> know when it's about to have, like you look, you see the look in his eyes and you're like, Oh, he's about to do some bad ass right now. Uh, Yo, leg loss about to pop off. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's amazing. But yeah, I th- I think it's yeah. a pretty d- almost near perfect finale. Um, if I I don't know what it is with these like with these big blockbuster movies and their epilogue. Like it, I just think of like Harry Potter and how awful that epilogue is. This one's not as bad as that as that one, but yeah. it drags on a bit too long. I I agree with all the choices made in the epilogue. Um, on this one like i don't disagree with it i just felt like 
it was too much. Like, I felt like some of it could have been implied. It would have been better if it just like faded to black and then didn't fade back into something else. It faded into black and said the end. <laughs> yeah. At some point. I think this movie's biggest crime is its use of use of fade to blacks and fade to white in that epilogue yeah. because after watching it, I actually kind of disagree with you. Mm. Um, in the extended edition, uh, the epilogue, like all the scenes after uh, the ring is destroyed, spoilers the ring Uh-oh. is destroyed um <laughs> all the scenes after the ring is destroyed um i think kind of flew by i it's because i've seen these movies before and i know return of the king has like 50 different endings um but watching it now and knowing that i there were actually fewer endings than i remember oh. so i was like oh that's it <laughs> there, that's like nothing <laughs> you over exaggerated um, in your mind yeah in my mind i was like oh we got to do this and then we got to do this and then we got to get like every character but no it's uh it's actually i think only three or four scenes um that epilogue uh i don't have it well i do have it but it's out of arm's reach what's cool about the extended editions is they come with these little booklets and they break the movies down scene by scene they tell you which scenes are new and which ones have been made longer um and so for return of the king actually most of it isn't extended it's compared to the other two um which is wild because return of the king extended is four hours and 11 minutes of movie (laughs) um and i will be honest like that one flew by um the other two i felt the length whereas return of the king i was all in all the way and i was like wow that was four hours like that was that felt so fast and it was so satisfying um that I just like I totally forgot Gandalf fucking like slaps everyone with his staff. <laughs> yeah, like you forget Ian McKellen like go also pops off in this movie. And he's doing like dual wielding sa- staff and sword fighting. It's amazing. Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. It, yeah. The uh, Return of the King overall mm-hmm. just feels like like a two towers that d- doesn't have anything on. Like two t- two towers felt like it had some unnecessary things that I was like I don't I'm not into this. But the Return of the King was just like everything i didn't like i loved almost everything in this movie like every scene yeah. i was like i'm i'm all in i like i cared so much about these characters at this point and it, they executed perfectly um mm-hmm. i guess i'll get into like where i want wanted the epilogue to end once we get into spoilers like where i think it should okay, have cut, sure. faded to black officially um but yeah i i think i have also have an idea of where that okay. is um but i guess we might as well do it um because there's a even more to talk about um so much so i don't even know how to break it down if we go back and do movies again or we just do general things or maybe even by like character yeah we we could i i'm down to just talk about characters um if we want to like go side characters i do want to talk about production too but yeah we'll can yeah we can productions oh my god this might be like the best produced movie I've ever seen. Like this, this production's fantastic. Yeah. Holy cow. That's, that's part of the reason you got to watch the behind the scenes because the amount of effort they put into just making it like the, when people talk about movie magic, like this yeah. is it, this is the gold standard of like making something impossible real and making it look good. Uh, Cause you have hundreds of people in orc makeup and like, these massive battle sequences and real stunt work. Um, It's just incredible what they were able to pull off. And it's funny because in the behind the scenes, they say that this movie is technically, or these three movies are technically low budget. They were all shot at once, which I think is 
part yeah. of the uh, reason is they basically funded it like one big production instead of three, like three hour movies, mm-hmm. which is what they shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just incredible what they did. Like they had Weta Workshop making hundreds of custom swords and pieces of armor. They invented uh, new technology to simulate crowds for the super big battle scenes. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because you when you think of special effects, you think of places like ILM, but um, what a workshop is obviously huge right now, and that's what they use for this movie. And it's just, it's insane to me how well they got it to work. Oh yeah, you bigger movies have failed in the effects department. Mm-hmm. I mean, this um, it, it holds and, up. This movie yeah. is like twenty years old almost now, so it, it yeah. still holds up. I, I think it's like, honestly, I think it might be the peak peak of blockbuster cinema. Is what I called it in my Letterboxd review. Like, yeah, nuts. I think you're right about yeah, that. I think it's just like I have not seen this big of a production. Like, and it like it's a huge yeah. thing. The studio is like, all right, they just went all out. They're like, go to New Zealand, shoot all three of these things. And I also liked mm, that. Yeah, and I they, like that aspect because they could just release it one a year because they just shot it all at once. Yeah, and uh, what was I going to say? Ah, shit. <laughs> oh, right, right. Peter Jackson had I, apparently trouble getting this made because he pitched it as three movies and no one wanted to commit to like a three movie thing because mm-hmm. that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and he eventually got it with New Line, but it's like, thank God he did because... Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Lord of the Rings is one book and it's sort of separated into three distinct parts. And that's why Peter Jackson was like, this has to be three movies because the one book is way too big yeah, for one yeah. movie. Um, so yeah, that's just another aspect. I think they had like three directorial units on this. There's so much cool stuff like the writers of Rohan. Um, fun fact, most of them are women because they basically needed a large group of people who could all ride horses. (laughs) So they found this giant group of women who were like, yeah, we all ride horses. And they're like, okay. So they just dressed them all up like men and gave them fake beards and armor. (laughs) So like all those big scenes with with the riders of Rohan coming in is it's all these women. That's amazing. uh, Dressed up as men. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, God. Yeah. It's just so, I guess we talked about the production at this point. So we got that out of the way. I mean, yeah, there's more to talk about, but I just wanted to gush because that's, I think genuinely one of my favorite parts of this movie is just like knowing how much had to come together and how well it works. Yeah. Well, I guess let's talk if we're going to go talk about characters, I think we should talk about, um, probably the one that has, or one of the main characters that has the some of the least screen time because he's only in one movie and that's uh Boromir who uh, unfortunately uh, poor Boromir Sean Bean can't he, he, poor scene Bean. poor scene Bean. he can't he can't survive in any of these damn things um no he's he's oh I mean I would argue he deserved it more in this oh, one yeah. than Game of Thrones <laughs> definitely did um yeah uh but yeah I yeah, Sean, I, I liked. I mean, seeing Sean Bean, obviously, I, I've seen Game of Thrones, I, and Ned Stark's one of my favorite characters. I read the first book. Ned Stark's a fantastic, fantastically written character. Um, so mm-hmm. I love Sean Bean already. Um, so I immediately, even though this character is like obviously a dick at times and uh, dies because he <laughs> deserves it because he wanted to take the ring from Frodo. Um, still, mm-hmm. I still love this guy. I think he, he was a needed part of the group. Um, and 
Yeah, he's a great representation of of the the race of men, and because you like him when he shows up initially, he has his one does not simply walk into Mordor meme, yeah. <laughs> which is always good. Um, and yeah, so you you like him, and clearly he wants the ring because it's made very clear that humans are just super weak and can't handle the ring. Um, but yeah, I love that character arc of just him slowly being seduced by the ring and being like, ah, scene bean, just hold it together. The, the fellowship needs you. Scene bean. You're like on. the only normal sized warrior here besides Aragorn. Scene bean. Rep human scene bean. Rep them. Yeah. Bad representation. I'll tell you, the, the humans were not sending their best yeah. when they sent Boromir to, to join the fellowship. And now, now I just think dwarves are better than humans in my opinion. Um, oh yeah we only see one dwarf in this whole thing yeah, I which i think is kind of wild that is kind of weird i mean we go to in the first one actually we go to the to the that underground thing that the mines of moria yeah where all the dwarves are dead though and uh he's yeah. pretty sad about that um, he's a little sad a tiny bit oh Char- charlie commented a happy face because uh charlie loves gimli and dwarves in general uh, yeah i like gimli a lot He's a, he's a good good yeah. little little dwarf man. Yeah, um, and his friendship with Legolas is evolves so nicely. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as I mean, obviously Boromir dies at the end. I mean, I think it was a good mm. a good little character arc there with Boromir. He was I think one one person needed to go crazy and try to steal the ring. Um, so. Yeah, one person had to be the. Uh, Oh God! What was his name? The guy in Suicide Squad who shows up oh, like yeah. well, half an hour into the movie, and then his head explodes. Yeah. And he was like prominent <laughs> in the trailers. You're like, oh, this is going to be a main character yeah. in this film. <laughs> I can't remember. No, this dude. They literally in Suicide Squad they dump that dude out of a bag, and then 15 minutes later he's like, peace out, and then his head explodes. Yep. Like <laughs> Boromir is how you do that right. Yeah, you don't just say <laughs> Boromir doesn't just kill himself or something. He doesn't just run away. Yeah. I mean, they had to prove, I guess in Suicide Squad, they needed to prove that there was a suicide aspect. The threat was real. Yeah. Yes. This is our review of Lord of the Rings. We'll be comparing it to Suicide Squad the whole time. <laughs> I mean, we've already established this. It, they're both Academy Award winning films. It's going to yeah. happen. Uh, obviously, Suicide Squad took a lot of uh, inspiration from the fellowship. They're basically the same thing, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the fellowship uh, actually fun fact is in J.R.R. Tolkien originally was going to call the fellowship of the ring, the suicide squad, <laughs> but he was like, well, come up with something better. <laughs> They're all out there to commit suicide. Um, and that, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and, um, that's what he would have said instead of like calling it the fellowship of the ring. This one would have ended at him saying that they're the Suicide Squad. It would have been like a Will Smith. Yeah, Elrond would have looked at all all of them and gone, <laughs> "So that's it, huh? You're some kind of Suicide Squad." <laughs> cut, cut to black. Cut. Will Smith comes out and goes, "Aha!" And then you cut to black. <laughs> Fantastic. Wait, who is that? Who is that? Rewind. Rewind. Rewind time. All right. Um, enough Suicide Squad. Yeah, um, never enough. But uh, you want to talk about like I, we can kind of lump Legolas and Gimli into the same thing because yeah. even though they're super fun, they don't have as much to do in these There's, movies. Yeah. They're kind of there to support Eric. Not as much character development with either of these. They're just kind of there to to fight shit. <laughs> uh, which yeah, and compare their kill counts. Yeah. Um, 
And they fight shit well. As we mentioned earlier, Legolas is a badass, and I love him so much. I mean, I yeah. could just tell that he was going to do some badass shit at, at any moment in this film. And he impressed me every time. <laughs> at any given moment, <laughs> Legolas might pop he off. Might just do some shit that I've never seen before. I've never seen a, a man just... <laughs> Just climb all over an elephant, shooting arrows. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot three ar- arrows into its brain to kill yeah, it. I've never seen a man just... I mean, that was that was some Breath of the Wild shit there. It's, it's surfing on your shield, mm-hmm. um, pulling arrows out. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, their, their big culmination, which everyone loves, a great meme, is... Uh, you know, I never thought I'd die sighting, fighting side by side with an elf. <laughs> What about side by side with a friend? Yeah. Like so perfect, yeah. exactly like the way you end that. Um, and Gimli's just funny the whole time. I will say part of my issues with the extended editions is they definitely like had a lot of Gimli one-liner inserts where he just sort of cracks a joke about something that happened. That I'm pretty sure they removed a lot of those from the theatrical mm. cut that are now in the extended editions. And there were times where I was like, "Not now, Gimli!" <laughs> like. You're you're funny, but like maybe now now isn't the exact right moment for that. Yeah, um, yeah, I didn't. That, those might have been extended edition things because I I didn't think there were too many of those moments. Um, yeah, he's he's de- definitely the comic relief in Return of the King. Is there? Did you see the scene where him and Legolas have like a drinking competition? No, that is not. That was that was okay. an extended edition. That's an extended edition scene that I thought was funny where. Uh, Gimli's like downing all these drinks and Legolas is an elf like obviously he's immortal and whatever so he drinks a bunch Legolas just goes like oh I I think I can feel it there's there's a tingling in my fingers (laughs) and Gimli's just like can't even hold his liquor and then Gimli passes out because he's drank too much (laughs) yeah that was not in Return of the King but it sounds amazing or not in my yeah that's a yes not not in the the pleb version Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was, I think that was a general thing with the extended editions is you get more Gimli time, but not a lot of productive Gimli time, just sort of funny jokes. Uh, well, he, yeah, he's, he's comic relief, I guess. Always, always yeah, make the yeah, dwarf the funny one, except on our D and D adventure where Charlie isn't the funny one. He's just busy no. stashing money. Come on. He's not. Yeah. He's not much of anything. He is just sort of a money man he just loves money <laughs> give us the laughs dwarf come on that's what i'm gonna say yeah. next time. <laughs> uh, um who else but yeah so we got those guys um yeah there's not much to say oh charlie is giving us a clown emoji because he is very funny uh. <laughs> um yeah i guess we can talk about um aragorn who's very important yeah sure he is very important. So, yeah, no, I mean, he is the the king. Yeah. He's he's the one who's got to return. I, I don't know if you uh, saw. I love I Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the sequels to Lord of the Rings um, called Green Book. Um, but Aragorn gets real racist mm. in that one. Yeah, yeah. Aragorn gets fat and Italian and racist <laughs> and uh, drives Mahershala Ali around in the south. Yeah, it's, I didn't expect it, but... <laughs> Weird character development. He turns around in his car and he's like, you know, I used to be a king of Gondor, (laughs) but, uh, you know, times is tough, so I moved to to the Bronx. (laughs) Times is tough. (laughs) 
Um, go, go ahead. You know, Gandalf went to the Undying Lands, and I was like, well, what am I going to do now? <laughs> I guess I got to move to the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> I got to move to the Bronx. Uh, but yeah, so I, I love Viggo Mortensen. I'm pretty sure that's how you say Viggo Mortensen. I think Mortensen. it's Viggo. I know that in uh, Viggo Mortensen, yeah. I love him, and also in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Max says Vigo Mortenstein, which is very funny to me. Um, Nowhere close to his yeah, name. It's, Stein. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, the casting around him is actually really interesting because apparently they had someone else for uh, Aragorn and they either got injured or they, they had to drop out at the last second. And so someone called Vigo Mortensen like, hey, we got this like leading role in this Lord of the Rings movie. Do you want to do it? He was like, oh, I don't know, uh, not Lord of the Rings. I don't really know what that is. And then Viggo Mortensen's son was like, Dad, the Lord of the Rings? <laughs> That's the fucking cool Aragorn? You have to do it. Because his son was a huge Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. fan. He was a fan of the books. So Viggo Mortensen was like, all right. And so he did it. Wow. Um, but I love how soft-spoken he is and, and how like it's a very subtle performance, which is so nice. Um, one of my favorite Aragorn moments is where they're at the black gates of Mordor and he looks around and he just whispers for Frodo yes. and he just charges. It's so powerful. And that's sort of emblematic of the character of, of having this really quiet power, which is so cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, just see it. God, that whole scene in general is so good. I mean, we'll get more into Frodo when we talk about him because I, I Frodo's such mm-hmm. a good character, but, um, it's just so great to, these movies are just so friendship is amazing in this movie and it's just amazing. <laughs> friendship is amazing. It's amazing how like selfless these people and they all know like they're all like Frodo's going through some tough shit right now for all of us. Like we mm-hmm. couldn't even do that shit and he's doing it right now. Like for Frodo just like yeah. summed it up perfectly. I was like, yes, everyone, everyone yeah. loves Frodo. Yeah, it's it is great because they're like the larger themes of these movies being sort of, you know, working for the greater good and self-sacrifice and friendship and all that. Um, yeah, there, there's so many good, these movies are so beautifully written. Like one of my free, there are two really great monologues, which I'm going to fuck up, but, and the first one is just sort of a saying where Frodo says, I wish the ring had never come to me. And Gandalf is like, you know, we all, what does he say? He's basically like, we don't want to live in bad times, but we have to do, we have, to, it's like, what it matters, oh fuck, I'm butchering <laughs> this, I'm not even going to try. The, the point is that you have to use the time you're given well. That's basically what he says, and it's, holy shit, I'm getting so many messages. Everyone's um, mad at you for butchering it. <laughs> I know. And then there's the, Sam's monologue at the end of Two Towers is also incredibly impactful. Um, and I won't even try that because of what just happened. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I think thematically these movies are just so strong and so eloquent. Um, I've, I've tried to read the book before, but the book is extremely dense and I, I couldn't get too far in. So I'm curious how much of it was lifted directly from the book and how much was sort of an adaptation. Um, but yeah, that was that was a tangent I wanted to go off on. Aragorn's cool. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think Aragorn's uh, a really good uh, character in this, 
in this. I, I there as we go through these characters, we'll, I guess we'll get eventually get to the one that I didn't enjoy that much. I mean, she's she's a side character. Liv Tyler's character, I didn't enjoy that much. It's kind of tied to Eric Gordon. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess we can talk about Arwen a little bit because she is top build in these movies. She's on the poster yeah. of every movie. She is in the second and third movie for like maybe five, ten minutes, and that's in the extended editions too. She's really not involved for much of it. Yeah, I, yeah, I just don't get... I, I don't like Liv Tyler that much in the first place, so I think there's a little bias there. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't know why. I just don't... I think it's her Capital One commercials or something. I'm just like, shut up about Capital One. I don't <laughs> want to hear it anymore. <laughs> Stop... Arwen, why are you talking so much about Capital One? <laughs> um, Frodo. But yeah, I, you could have a much better credit score, Frodo. What's in your wallet, Frodo? <laughs> What's a wallet? What are you talking about? What's a wallet? Well, we don't have money in the Shire. <laughs> we just smoke weed all day. Um, but I, well, she's still good casting, though, because she looks like an elf. I feel like you look at her, and you're like, she should oh, be yeah. an elf. Um, yeah, that's what I what I was talking about. Like everyone who's cast as an elf looks like. I mean, obviously, if you're casting elves, you have to find the most beautiful people, mm. um, who look like they could be immortal and perfect. Yeah, Orlando Bloom. Um, so like Kate Blanchett, uh, Orlando Bloom. Obviously, this is like his first major acting role. Like I think he literally just graduated acting school in the UK, and they were like, "All right, be Legolas," <laughs> and that was that this was it. Hot. That was Orlando Bloom. Yeah. Um, even Hugo Weaving with his giant forehead still works true. as an elf. Uh, very true. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, I like Arwen. I think generally, I think they set her up so well in the first movie that I'm disappointed. She's not more involved in the rest of it. Agreed. Um, cause in the first movie she saves Frodo. She does the big magic spell that turns the river into horse horses, mm-hmm. um, to fight the Nazgul. And she's, like got this really beautiful voice and she speaks elvish and then the second movie her dad's like hey go go to the elf place get out of here and she's like all right and then she decides not to go and then the third movie she's just like in a coma (laughs) yep and then and so and then it's over and you're like well i feel like we could have done more with arwen i feel like gladriel even had more to do with these movies yeah um yeah yeah i just yeah I, i completely agree with that um, I think the other like kind of love interest for Aragorn, I can't remember her name, had a way better story. Aowen had a way better story than Liv Tyler, uh, than Arwen did. Yeah, I way more enjoyed that one. I kind of wanted her and Aragorn to be together in the end, but it's it's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Like my thing was. Like, the only reason I didn't want them to be together is because I already knew Aragorn and Arwen were a thing. So I was like, no way my man Aragorn is going to fucking switch his girls in the middle of this whole <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, no way. He's he's too good he's for He's loyal. That. He wouldn't um, do that. But Eowyn gets with Faramir, yeah. which is a good get. Uh, gotta love Faramir yeah. and his shitty, shitty dad. <laughs> his dad is bad dad. Bad dad's all over the place. Oh, yeah. Real bad dad. <laughs> Um, horrendous father. <laughs> yeah, I would call him the bad dad of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I don't think it got much worse. That scene where they're like charging the orc armies and he's just sitting there eating shit like a disgusting animal. <laughs> is, 
so impactful. Oh. And uh, I, I get, always get Mary and Pippin confused. I think I think it's yeah. Pippin who's singing that song while he's like eating shit and they're all charging yeah, the orcs. Pippin. I okay. do always get them confused too. Because yeah, Pippin was sent with Gandalf um, because he looked at yeah. the orb like an idiot. Come on, Pippin. Yeah, fucking Pippin. Um, Who's the? Were they so both with maybe, the tree people? Yeah, they were both with yeah, the ants. The ants. The old ants. Yes. Um, yeah. Do we have anything else about Aragorn or Arwen? Um, um, I feel like I should have more. I mean, Aragorn like is basically the second main character here, right? Um, besides Frodo. Yeah. So I mean, he's the king. Yeah, he's the. It's the return of him. The king. Um, <laughs> That's what he should have said at the end of the movie. Hey, everybody. It's the return of me. Yeah. Everyone cheers. I mean, yeah. He's a great second main character because um, obviously, like, even at the end with for Frodo, like, <laughs> he's like, nah, but this guy's the real dude, not me, um, which I always yeah, appreciate. Yeah. Like, I didn't want him to steal the show, and he never did. He wasn't a show stealer, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is great. Yeah. And I think, again, that's part of a testament to Viggo Mortensen playing that, like, really restrained sort of part as Aragorn. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. So I guess we can talk about Merry and Pippin since we already sort of started. Sure. Um, um, yeah, they're uh, they're fun. 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 Those dudes are a lot of fun. <laughs> fun little fun little guys there. Um, yeah. When you started fellowship did you think these two guys were going to have such an important role in this whole thing no absolutely not i was like yeah at some point like at some point i thought they were just gonna not be in the fellowship like i thought that's when their story ended like when they made it uh there and they were forming the fellowship i did not expect them to be like no we're going too i was like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) guess they're going too yeah uh Fellowship includes four hobbits. Well, I guess they needed four because like four hobbits equal one person, right? Or one man. Yeah, it's true. They should have stacked them all on top of each (laughs) other. Yeah, I'm very disappointed there wasn't a scene where they all got in a trench coat and pretended to be a big tall man. (laughs) Yeah, they go, they walk up to the black gates of Mordor and they like knock on the door with a fake mustache on. Hello. My name is Sauron Jr. <laughs> May I see the volcano? I've heard it's beautiful this time of year. They're like, whoa, you're very tall. Yes, sir. Come on in. Ah, we orcs respect tallness. <laughs> Come on. Very nice trench coat as well. Uh, but yeah, so Merry and Pippin, I think, are... are I don't want to say they're underrated, but it's pretty crazy how much stuff they go through, like hanging out with the Ents and ultimately becoming warriors in like two different places. Yeah. Uh, I really love the line. Oh God, I can't remember. It's Theoden's son, the head of the Riders of Rohan. Carl uh, Urban's character is like, I don't question like the trueness of his heart. I question the reach of his arm. <laughs> I thought that was like so good to summarize them. Is <laughs> just like, they want to be in battle, but they're fucking hobbits. Yep. Um, yeah, and that's just God. Just every they get to inclu- the fact that they get included on this whole story. It's like it makes like, the friendship thing is just it's there always. Um, the power mm. of friendship. Uh, yeah, there's sort of our discount Frodo yeah. and Sam, 
where their friendship sort of develops over time and they have to split up because of uh, Pippin's dumb yeah. ass picking up the orb. Stupid orb. I mean, come on, just don't. What's up with all these people, baby? You know, just don't don't get the ring forehead. Like, come on, just don't just. Yeah, don't pick up the ring or anything that Sauron has like put out in the world. Just chill. Just everyone. throw the ring into the volcano. Come on, what are you doing? Like it's so easy. Yeah, it's the whole thing. Um, <laughs> Clearly not, because he's standing on the edge of the volcano. <laughs> Everyone's just like Frodo. You just drop it. All you gotta do is drop it. <laughs> um, I mean, the only the ants. I like I like the ants a lot. I think. They were mm-hmm. placed weirdly at points during the battle of Helm. The fact that they were in the Battle of Helm's Deep and then we kept cutting to it was kind of annoying to me. Like, I liked that story, but yeah. it was like stopping the momentum a little bit of Helm's, of Helm's yeah. Deep. I think the Ents sort of work the best because J.R.R. Tolkien was inspired by like his experience in World War I uh, for a lot of Lord of the Rings. And I think the Ents represent that sort of the best because... They're literally the forest and they're the whole time they're deliberating like, should we get involved? Yeah, yeah. You know, or they spend hours like saying hello to each yeah. other. <laughs> um, and then finally they see what they've been doing in Isengard, just de- completely destroying the forest. And they're like, all right, now we got some, some shit yeah. to say. <laughs> You've been burning all our friends uh, to make weapons and that ain't cool. And the the payoff is fan- like the fact that they just destroy that town, like they just fucking flood it. They break the dam yeah. and just like it's just there's no fight. It's just like you lose. Like we're here, you you lost. Yeah, that, you can't fight trees. It's not possible. Yeah, they're trees. There was even one of those trees that got lit on fire, and then when they flood uh, Isengard, he just like ducks yeah, into I the water that. a little bit to set himself out of fire. You're like, yo, dude. I thought that was a cute little detail. Sick. I was like, oh, he's just dipping his head in the water. He's yeah. like, I don't care. <clears throat> yeah. Um, uh, so actually, I have in in Return of the King, There, you didn't get to see how Saruman dies, no, right? No, there's no, it is not in the, it, the only mention yeah. of Saruman is, is Gandalf <laughs> saying like, oh, we don't have to worry about him anymore. Like there's no death or anything. Okay. Yeah. That is, that is the weirdest omission to me in the whole series is that in the extended edition, you see Saruman die. Um, and it's like a pretty good death scene, except for they have a fireball effect in it. That's like the worst effect in the whole Maybe movie. Maybe that's why they cut it. And I guess, <laughs> I don't even know. No, because like they put it back in the extended edition. You'd think they just get the CG artists to do this fireball. Like, but you watch the extended edition and he's like, fuck you, Gandalf. And he shoots a fireball out of his staff and it flies down and goes poof. And you're like, that looks terrible. <laughs> um, That's hilarious. But yeah, then, then Saruman's assistant stabs him in the back and, and that's how he's mm. killed. And that's how they get the orb because Saruman has has the orb and he drops it off the tower. Oh. Um, but I always thought that was super weird that they cut that scene in the extended editions. Like, and what's funny is it still works. Wait, so like, wait, so in the extended edition they don't just like find the orb in the in the water. Oh. No, what happens is they go. They um, there's one super really unnecessary scene in a, in two towers extended where after they flood Isengard. Um, Mary and Pippin are searching around and they're like, oh, we're so hungry because we're hobbits. And they find Saruman's like secret stash of good food <laughs> and weed. Um, 
they find like these two barrels of weed and they're like, oh my God, look at all this fucking <laughs> weed. And then they find like a whole chicken and a bunch of apples and like all this delicious food that Saruman kept for himself. And then in the beginning of Return of the King, Gandalf and Theoden and some of the other fellowship members show up at the tower and Saruman's standing on top of the tower with his little assistant friend. Uh, and he's like, fuck you guys. You're never going to get Sauron. And they're like, hey, come down here, Saruman, you bitch. <laughs> and he's like, no. And he shoots the fireball. And they're basically like, we're not going to kill you, Saruman. We need information on Sauron. Mm. Um, but then Saruman starts talking down to his assistant. And he like slaps him in the face. And his assistant gets so mad that he stabs Saruman on the back. And Saruman falls off the tower and gets impaled on a spike. And the orb falls off the tower too. Is this assistant? Is his assistant like an orc? Like I don't even remember him having an assistant. No. The, do you remember in Two Towers before Theoden is like freed of the curse, where he's like this old nasty uh, dude, and there's the hunchy oh, man who's assistant? like whispering in his ear. Oh, yeah, that's uh, Saruman's assistant. Oh, yeah, because that guy in what I saw that guy like just showed up to like give him information and then we never saw him for the rest of the movie. Yeah. So that's where he was. That is to me the strangest thing to cut from the theatrical release, especially because return of the King theatrical is still like three and a half hours, right? Um, yeah, it's three, three hours, 21, I think, or 41. I can't remember. Okay. Yeah. So like having those extra few minutes, I feel like doesn't kill <laughs> return of the King. Yeah. Uh, to have that scene, but that's that's the only scene where I'm surprised it wasn't in theatrical. Uh, everything they added to Return of the King, I think, works super so was that well. The ver- was that the edition. very opening scene of the extended edition? No, but it's towards okay. the beginning. It's before, obviously, before Mary touches the orb. Um, it's it's very early on, or Pippin okay. touches the orb. Um, but I I don't remember exactly where it was placed. Gotcha. Um, let's talk about. Smeagol next. Smeagol. Oh, that was really good. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone's got a little bit of a Gollum Smeagol um, in him. I, I'm going to try after the podcast, and I want to embarrass myself. Okay. We're going to try to <laughs> talk about the nasty habits. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I Andy Serkis, in, in the role where everyone decided that he was going to be CG man for the rest of his life. Yep. <laughs> um we get we get Smeagol slash Gollum. Uh so yeah, how did how'd you feel about that um, At first I was kind of grossed out by him and, and yeah, Fair. and I was like I, I don't know, I didn't think he was gonna be that big of a character at first, I think. So I was like, oh, he's just there. He's disgusting. Um <laughs> and I I don't like him. And then I was pleasantly surprised by the backstory he had and how deep into his character he got. And I was like, Oh, this is a pretty damn good character. Um, and I think yeah. it was like a really, it was really smart to have him like enter Frodo's journey because it was like a living example of what happens when, when, when uh, you, you go crazy over the ring. So it, it was yeah. very, I think he was a very great character in that, in that aspect towards Frodo's story because we were like, every time we cut to Frodo's story, I was like, I really don't want Frodo to look like that dude. Um, <laughs> or like act like <laughs> how that dude is after what the ring did to him. So, yeah. And that's like 500 years of living with yeah. the ring. So, 
That would really fuck you up. Because, like, Bilbo lived to be over 100, and he was still looking mm-hmm. all right. Um, and then, obviously, when they took the ring away from him, he started to age again. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. I think Gollum is a great sort of example of what happens when when a hobbit or, or hobbit-like gets the ring. Um because like that happens to like a little person with the ring. Imagine if Gandalf had held oh. on to it; like everyone would be dead forever. Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, at one point he—I don't know how he in the extended edition—is there an explanation as to how Smeagol lives that fall at one point, or does he just come back as well? No, when he falls off after the yeah. spider fight. Yeah, no, he just comes back. He's, I don't, yeah, he's I don't care about it. Yeah. I just wanted to know if there was an explanation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's a he's a durable, yeah, he's a durable, man. durable man for sure. Um, uh, but I really, I also really did like all the scenes. I like how creative they got with the scenes with him talking to like himself, um, where they would mirror, mirror him yeah. or like reflect him in the water and stuff like that. Um, and of course, yeah. he's there. I mean. He's the bad guy, like, and him and him and Sam fighting is just like you're just so mad that Frodo believes him more. You're like, come on, Sam, Sam's telling the truth. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you, I think when you reflect on these movies, if you haven't seen them for a long time, you get that sense of like, man, Frodo's being so yeah. unreasonable. Like, what an asshole! But they they set it up well enough in the movie where you you understand where Frodo's coming from, like. Smeagol's the only one who like knows how to get them into Mordor without getting killed. Um, he's like they have this bond because they're both ring bearers, um, so they both know like the true impacts that the ring have mm-hmm. on you. Um, but yeah, no, I feel so bad for Sam whenever he's like like this motherfucker Frodo. Yeah. <laughs> like let's just choke him but out also, and move on. Like, but I, yeah, I don't think yeah. I, yeah also, also I I think like Frodo just to tack onto that. Like I think Frodo. Like you could totally, I could totally see him siding with Smeagol more because he, he wanted, like I saw that motivation for him wanting Smeagol to be okay. Like he wanted to make sure Smeagol, even though the ring basically like destroyed him, could still be a sane, okay person because he was like, what if that happens to me? I want to make sure like I could be okay too. Yeah. Yeah, I love all the scenes where Frodo starts to get super paranoid about people wanting the ring. I mean, initially you have Boromir where he's like justified. He's like, I don't want Boromir to have the ring. But then you have Sam who genuinely just wants to help. He goes, share the load. Mm-hmm. Load. 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 I'm like, yeah, don't don't echo load, Peter <laughs> Jackson. I know it. we haven't gotten to that meme yet, but like, it's not going to hold up. Um, but yeah, I think... That that works super well. And even when Sam does take it and he gives it back to Frodo, Frodo just snatches it and he's like, ah, it's yeah. mine. It's mine. Uh, <laughs> God, yeah. I mean, overall, I guess we can just get into... The only other character we have besides Sam and Frodo at this point, I feel like, is Gandalf, who is badass. Yeah. Like, what... He jumps around. Yeah, but what more can we... I mean, what more could we say about Gandalf? That is, He's badass and amazing and a great character. Like, every... I feel like like it, it feels like so many movies are like books after this had a Gandalf themselves. Like Dumbledore feels like a Gandalf. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, this movie set the standard for modern fantasy, like D and D game of Thrones, everything after this, like is comes from Lord of the Rings. Um, 
So yeah, Gandalf is like, you think of a wizard, you think of Gandalf. Because it's not that Gandalf looks like a wizard. It's that all wizards look like Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, Ian McKellen kills it. He's the perfect wise old wiz- wizard, but also incredibly amazing. Like the the scene where we see him fighting the Balrog is so cool, where he's falling down the pit and he's got his sword out. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I guess you're right. There isn't that much to say about Gandalf because he's just sort of there to sort of guide people. He bounces around from place to place, like helping people out. Um, I love the scene in Return of the King where the fake king, I forget his name, is like, everyone run for your oh, yeah, lives. Yeah. Like, we've already lost the battle. Gandalf just knocks him the fuck out and he's like, prepare for battle. <laughs> that, was, that was amazing. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah, fuck you. Run for your lives. We lost yeah. the battle. <laughs> just fucking knocks yeah. his ass. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I don't know, him him dying, I don't mind. Usually I mind like fake death. I don't care. Like it was, he came back as Gandalf the white yeah. and that was the purpose of it. And that was amazing. Yeah. And this is also before we were sort of inundated with blockbuster movies where people fake yeah. die. Um, so it, yeah, Gandalf the white absolutely is, is a nice little rebirth. And he makes a point of being like, I'm the white wizard that Saruman should have been. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But I also I think um, there's like little fun fact. I think there's a huge impact with his death as well. You and then you can get to this fun fact. Just like the whole like because Frodo still thinks he's dead until the very end. Like and that makes yeah. that scene even better because he still thinks he's dead. Um fun fact on Speedy. Yeah, no, Frodo's Yes, fun fact is that uh Christopher Lee, who plays Saruman, is or was, rest in peace. Um he was this massive Lord of the Rings fan. He would read the book once a year, I think. Um, and then he originally, I think, wanted to play Gandalf. And Peter Jackson was like, no, you got to be Saruman because we got Ian McKellen to be Gandalf. Um, and Peter or Christopher Lee like totally owns yeah. it. Uh, there's, there's a Reddit fact that everyone shares that most people know is that in the scene where Saruman gets stabbed in the back, uh, Christopher Lee was British Special Forces before he was an actor. And so apparently when they were directing that scene, they Peter Jackson was like, all right, you're going to get stabbed in the back and you're going to be like, oh, I've been stabbed and like fall off the tower and die. And Christopher Lee was like, no, when someone gets stabbed in the back, they just sort of like make a small sound because like the air leaves their body. <laughs> and Peter Jackson's like, well, clearly, you know more about stabbing people in the back than I do. So uh, you take you're that the director one now. I, I quit. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm not touching that one. <laughs> you you keep that information. Um, of course, Christopher um, Lee, so yeah, the I, uh, that's, dentist um, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, as well. So. Yes, and uh, Count Dooku. That's what his fucking name was. Count Dooku. Um, Count Dooku. Everyone's favorite. I guess Star the dentist Wars. and whoa. Did someone sneeze? Miriam sneezed. Someone sneezed. <laughs> um. I guess the dentist in Charlie and Chocolate Factory is technically Willy Wonka's dad, right? So he's Willy Wonka's dad. Yes. Yeah, there is no dentistry involved in, with Saruman or any of his orcs. Um, this movie has some of the worst teeth of any movie of all time. <laughs> That's Once again, I think Lord of the Rings prequel to the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, Saruman yeah. clearly is like, these teeth are horrible. Like, 
I need to learn how to fix them. I gotta, I gotta do something about this. <laughs> I gotta fix these damn orcs. When he teeth. sees Willy Wonka's teeth and how bad they are, his own son's teeth, he's like, "You're just like those orcs. <laughs> You're just like an orc, <laughs> Willy Wonka. <laughs> My fighting Urukai." Um, but yeah, Gandalf. Just this is just such a legendary performance. Like, and it's obvious. Like, mm. I have no hot yeah. takes here. I'm not gonna like come out and say like hot take but this performance yeah. sucked or this character sucked no. yeah it's it's hard to say it's hard to say anything that people haven't really said before about lord of the rings but yeah i think what's also amazing about gandalf is that he's just kind of everything mm-hmm. like he's wise he's a total like kick-ass fighter wizard man um but he's also like really friendly and kind and understanding the that scene at the end well, scene in the beginning that kind of mirrors it where he first shows up and Frodo's like, you're late, Gandalf. And, you know, <laughs> a wizard is never late, nor is he early. And then they've just exchanged a laugh. And then, and then at the end, when Frodo wakes up and sees Gandalf's alive, they exchange a laugh. And you're like, God, this I love this man. I want this man to be my dad. Absolutely. Please be my dad, yeah. Ian McKellen. Um, please. Please. Uh, what else was I about? I was literally about to say something about Gandalf. I completely forgot. This sucks. It was a great comment too. Guess we're all gonna miss out on it. Oh, I'm sure it was top tier Gandalf comment. Yeah, no, I was gonna say I like how they like he's everything like you were saying, but they don't make him like you never like with them with him being on their side. You're never like oh they got Gandalf. They'll just destroy these orcs. Like there's never a moment where you're like, he's OP, you know, he's busted. Yeah. He's not OP and he's not flawless either. Mm -hmm. I don't think like I, it's the, I don't want to say he's a Mary Sue. Um, he obviously falls to the, the Balrog initially. Um, but he's, he's a well-defined character, which works. Oh, and he gets fucked up by Saruman a bunch. So yeah. Um, so yeah, that's love Gandalf. I guess now we have to talk about Samwise Gamgee and Frodo oh, Baggins. Yes. The dynamic duo, um, the leading two. The two boys. The two little hobbit boys. Um, they're amazing. I love them. Uh, Sean Astin, Elijah Wood. Amazing performances from both of them. Um, yeah, yeah, just and both uh, great characters, great character development. I think some of the best written characters ever, honestly, like just so I, and this hero's journey is one of one of my favorite heroes journeys ever for Frodo. Um, and it's just set up so well with, I mean, the exposition at the very beginning of fellowship of the ring, like already sets up the stakes perfectly with this ring. Like you can, you know, how, how, um, how powerful this thing is and as as the series and as the movies go on like you feel for him and you can tell like no one can resist this thing you know like it's nuts how how strong he is and how much he's going through and how like i kind of want to make a meme using frodo like at the beginning because he's like nice clean and then at the end he's just like all beaten up dirty and i want to be like me at the beginning of quarantine yeah missing a finger at the beginning of quarantine me yeah me before and after quarantine me taking out the trash (laughs) yeah exactly 
Um, but yeah, no, I think Frodo and the Ring. Um, obviously, like these stories are very old, but they sort of perfectly encapsulate just sort of themes and and feelings that like a lot of stories have. Like at its core, it's very simple because it's this underdog hero. He's a hobbit, and hobbits aren't known for anything other than just like eating and hanging out. Um, and then you have the ring, which represents absolute power, which we all know corrupts absolutely. Um, and it's just done so well and so purely that you just feel for this guy the whole time. And, uh, Sam serves as like the perfect foil for that. I, I remember hearing that on set, Sean Astin would actually like look after Elijah Wood more than like, than like a normal person would because he was so into that wow. character of being like, I have to take care of Frodo. Like I wow. have to be Frodo's guy, like his point man yeah. at all times. Um, so I, I think that clearly bleeds into the movie because you can tell Sam like cares very deeply for Frodo and Frodo is not even capable of reciprocating because of this horrible burden mm-hmm. he has on him. Yeah. Which just played super well. I, yeah, just these two characters are, amazing i as i mentioned in the two towers thing earlier like i just wish there was more of them in the two towers and i wish they were a bigger focus at times in that film but once yeah. we get to the third one they're i'd say they're good enough of a focus again um and it's just a perfect finale to that story yeah, yeah the third one i would say is definitely the most balanced as far as every character sort of getting their time and getting mm-hmm. their uh arcs completed yeah which it was nice to see. I don't know. Like we're still we're still recently coming off of the end of Game of Thrones, and it was just nice to see like execution on all fronts um, for a finale uh, in in a story like this. I guess uh, because it was similar to Game of Thrones, yeah, so it just it's, reminded me of like how poorly Game of Thrones ended. Yeah, it's nice when you like understand your character arcs and follow through with them in a way that makes sense and is satisfying. Uh, and you can also have the big action. Like most of return of the King is giant action sequences. Um, fucking Aragorn and his army of ghosts. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, no one can win against ghosts. They're already dead. I mean, come on. I, yeah. I mean, if you want to compare, if you want to compare it to other, I guess if you want to compare it to Game of Thrones and like their battle for Winterfell, and like and this final battle, yeah, like Battle for Winterfell is just like super one-sided, and I like and that was the huge issue with it. Like literally the entire time, the White Walkers are winning until the very end, um, which is just out of nowhere. Yeah, when they get Phantom menaced. Yeah which kind of happens in this movie, but it happens in a, a way that's, I think, a little bit better because the orcs like get swallowed by the earth, and but the rest of them run away. It just works better than like you throw the ring, Sauron dies, and then the, all the orcs just like drop yeah. dead, um, yeah. which is would be dumb. Yeah. Um, what was I guess? Yeah, just basically this, this final battle was like, it was still back and forth. Like there were still chances. Like it didn't feel like luck when when they won yeah. that battle in the end right um it was like mm-hmm. everyone's like they would get new forces and then they would end up starting to win the battle but oh then the, then the orcs would start to win because the elephants are coming and then the ghosts come and then you yeah. know like it was back and forth still yeah um yeah 
which I think was very well executed. Yeah. <clears throat> and I guess I want to talk about the battles real quick. Um, just sort of like, because I was thinking a lot about Marvel movies and especially Endgame when I was watching all of these battle sequences. Um, and the reason these work so much better for me, and I, I think the final battle of Endgame is fun, although I think it's kind of ugly because uh, it's all brown. <laughs> but what's really amazing about these movies is that they have like the real people there. Endgame is a hundred million gray faceless monsters charging at a hundred million mix of, of Wakandan soldiers and, and Asgardians and all these people. Um, and it, you lose that sense of weight and that sense of reality in uh, something like Endgame because it's all so computer generated. When you have battle scenes in Lord of the Rings, you have real orcs and you have all of these people decked out in armor with these practical swords um, it's just so satisfying t- to watch and you can see the weight and, and feel all of that. And rewatching these movies, I have such a new appreciation for those large scale battle scenes that we just like, don't get to see anymore because <laughs> no one wants to invest the money to put a hundred people in orc makeup. Yeah. That's, yeah that, that sucks because I, it, and I agree, like it's more human to like, we can relate to, even though it's orcs and there, there's Gandalf and mm-hmm. then, and their ghost at some point. Like, obviously, there's still fantasy elements, but they're still... F- yeah, the ghosts have to yeah, be CG. Yeah, but they still fight. <laughs> they still fight like humans do. Like, they don't mm-hmm. have superpowers or anything. Like, we're not seeing... I mean, Legolas might yeah. have superpowers. I'm not sure. Um, but they still fight with swords <laughs> and and arrows and stuff like that. So, it, like, feel you, you can see the struggle. You barely... There's rarely a moment where I like watching. I'm watching Iron Man fight, and I'm I can see him struggle or like relate to his struggle at all, or anything like like I have never. I've held like fake swords and fake bows and arrows before. Like I know how that feels. I've seen. It just feels yeah. more. Feels more human these fights. Yeah, and there's, there's there's also more like sort of battle reality, especially in the Battle of Helm's Deep, like. They the army approaches, they have to get over the walls, then they blow up the walls and they're inside the keep and things are like new strategies are being developed on the fly and all that. Whereas a lot of these movies now are just one army stands on one end of the field, the other army's on the other end of the field, and then they charge at each other mm-hmm. and everyone's punching. And that's the whole the whole concept is just like we get these two groups to run at each other and then we just show mm-hmm. chaos. Whereas, you know, we have the archers doing their things. We have the people fighting up close. We have Gimli swinging his axe yeah. around. Um, it's, yeah, it's good. It's so good. Let's put it in Game of Thrones perspective. Like, the Battle of Winterfell was more, I think another big complaint people have was it was more just them running at it. There was no strategy in comparison to the previous uh, previous battles in the series, which were more Lord yeah. of the Rings esque, actually had strategy, actually had plans. Um, and I can't remember the other battles names, but one of the, the I think the very first battle that was in season two was still my favorite battle. Um, and that was super strategy heavy. Um, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like, I like things like that. The battles in this, in this trilogy, Helm's Deep, obviously amazing, but the battle, what, what do they even call the battle in Return of the King? I, I, I can't remember the name Gondor? of the city. I thought the city was named Gondor, but that's like oh. the realm they're in. It's, uh, yeah, I'd have, I can, I don't want to look it up cause I'm going <laughs> to take forever to do it. But yeah, that, that main battle of the city, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Like, 
you know, they get the giant um, ram to like mm-hmm. knock the door down and then they have to fight inside the city walls. Uh, Gandalf gets his staff exploded by the fucking Nazgul. Yeah. Um, shout out to Eowyn. That the moment where she says, I am no man and screams oh is one God. of the most iconic yeah. things. Right. How, how have we not talked about that yet? That, that part made me smile yeah. so much. I, she takes off her helmet. She's like, I am no man. I'm like, fuck yes. Yeah. And stabs him in the face. Um, and that's another end game comparison I want to make is that when I rewatched Endgame, I totally forgot. There's like yeah. a girl power team Ugh. up moment in the movie. And it's like, obviously when I saw it in theaters, all the girls in the theater screamed when that happened. Cause it's all the ladies. And I've always felt that that scene was weird. And I didn't necessarily want to say it without having a point because then yeah. it just makes me sexist being like, Oh, all the women. <laughs> um, but generally I think the reason that scene never works to me is because it just didn't have the right context where it's it's literally just Captain Marvel gets the Infinity Gauntlet and she's like, all right, I got to fly over there. And all of the female characters like sort of conveniently converge in one location in this battlefield that's like miles wide. They all immediately are just like, OK, now we have the girl team up moment. Everyone go to the girl team up spot that we yeah. agreed upon. So, yeah. And. I think yeah, I mean ahead. that context that context oh, is weird. I don't know. Like the context for Lord of the Rings is a lot, but the reason I groaned was because obviously obviously I, yeah. I I'm a feminist. I love women. <laughs> like I don't I'm not trying to I love great. women. <laughs> um no, but the context is different. Like I don't know. We already it's already like super established in the Avengers universe that yeah, women are super powerful and are as strong as men, clearly. But in Lord of the Rings up up yeah. to that moment like women most of the women in the movie are not in the battles they're not doing anything like that one's in a coma yeah um we have very obvious scenes of aon being like mm-hmm. i want to fight i want to battle and all the dudes being like and maybe this was an extended edition scene but there is literally a moment where carl urban's character is like uh you know the uh battle is like the domain of men like you can't come in here because I know if you join the battle, you'll run or whatever. And then of course, Eowyn sneaks in with her armor. And so this is all building up to that moment where you get that super satisfying. I am no man. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's context to it and there's build up, and you understand Eowyn's struggle. So when she finally has that moment of overcoming everything and like killing the biggest, baddest Nazgul, you're like, Oh yeah. fuck. You're like this matters. Uh, so this matters. It's not just like yeah. a moment where they're like, okay, now point the camera at all the women and make them talk about how they're women. It's yes. Like, yeah, yes. It's like exactly. give them a bigger moment than that. Don't just be like, okay, we, we got to write something where they talk about how they're women and they're fighting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they don't even talk about how it's literally a moment that all the women come together. If you like, it's, it's, I've talked about this before, but it's like a clappable moment, right? The reason they put that in isn't because the story needed it. It's because they wanted all the girls in the audience to scream, which they did. So they succeeded in that. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, I don't begrudge them for that and I don't think it was the wrong choice, but I, you know, in a, in a movie, you, you gotta set up context (laughs) and you, you can pay off these moments and then people will scream because um, they're stabbing the Nazgul in the face and not just because they're all yeah, in exactly. frame at once. Um, yeah, I really thought that was handled well. Like I didn't know. I don't know. I didn't. I honestly didn't know what her role would be. Like she was introduced as a fighter, clearly. 
And I didn't know if she would have that big of a role. And I was like, that is a pr-. like they even like set up the dude um, she killed like Gandalf's fucking scared of him. Like, like, like yeah. that's the fact that Gandalf's scared of him and she just stabbed him in the face, killed him like that makes it even more powerful of a moment. It was and right in front of her dad, yeah. too, which was great. Yeah. Um, another fun fact about that guy is um, his, you know, his mace, his like gigantic mm-hmm. mace that he was flailing around. Or I guess it's a flail. Um, they had to remake that prop like five times because Peter Jackson kept asking for it. Wow. <laughs> um, They're like, okay, we made this flail. Like, how do you like it? He's like, yeah, I need it a little bit bigger. And so they make him a bigger one. He's like, nah, it's still, still too small. So they went and they were like, okay, guys, he's asked us five times. What we're going to do is we're going to make a flail that is so unreasonably large he will have to say no to it and then we can scale it back <laughs> but then they made the unreasonably large flail and peter jackson was like yep that's <laughs> oh, wow. it so that thing is so ridiculously oversized and it works in the movie everyone's like yeah he yeah. was right but on set it's funny that like the reason it's so big is because they were trying to like psych yeah, out peter that jackson funny. <laughs> but he's like perfect nailed, <laughs> nailed it, it. Um, I guess we can kind of talk about the very end of this whole damn thing if you want. I mean, it's yeah. Let's let's talk about your your hated the you hate the movie yeah. because of this. Um, I hate it. No, I it's. I mean, I just I don't hate it. I just think I just think there was a moment where it could have ended, and I would have been like so satisfied, and I would have been like perfect that was so perfect um Mm -hmm. but before we get to that blog i feel like we should talk about the big moment where frodo finally he doesn't even like i think it's brilliant that he doesn't even end up throwing it in the in the thing like it just goes in there because him and smeagol are fighting over it yeah like the ring is so powerful that like even this thing that they've been working towards for over a year frodo's like yeah. No, nah, I'm just going to keep it. Like 13 months. Well, I guess it's 13 months today when they return to the Shire, but like it's been a year. Their only goal is to throw that fucking ring in the volcano and they finally get there and Frodo can't do it because the ring is mm-hmm. so corrupting and yep. so I awful. thought that was yeah, I thought that was brilliant. Like if I, but obviously it would have been anticlimactic if he just like walked in there and just like, "All right, I'm just going to throw it in there." And he just like tossed it in. It was like <laughs> <laughs> was like, okay, right movie over no problem um, so yeah obviously that was super smart and you love like you relate to sam so much in that moment because you're like just throw it just throw it in all you gotta do you're right yeah. there yeah sam is definitely the audience yeah. here where he's like frodo quit being a bitch just do it i watched i've watched 11 hours of movie for this moment. Sam's just like, you gotta be kidding me. We were like literally almost died at the bottom of this fucking volcano. And we get here and you're like, nah, I don't, I'm going to keep it. (laughs) But I did think it was a brilliant, I thought it was a brilliant moment when he turns around and he's like, I ain't doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's really great how they just get Smeagol to, to fight him. Even after he's invisible and he has to bite the ring yeah, off his finger. Yeah, bites his finger off. Um, um, yeah, fitting end for, for Smeagol, that yep, bastard. Yep, had to end that way. Uh, <laughs> I had to sneeze. Oh. 
Oh, bless you. Something's going I, around. Allergies. Me and me and Miriam went outside today. Risky stuff. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, no, we don't get those on the West Coast. Um, yeah, we were in a park for a little bit, so we both are sneezing like crazy. Gross. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, yeah. You want you want a redemption for Smeagol, but yeah, couldn't happen in the end. The Bering was too powerful. Oh, I didn't want redemption for Smeagol. I was I was Team <laughs> Sam, a hundred percent. Choke that motherfucker out. I felt like I fell for Frodo, but I was like, yeah. come on. Uh, Charlie said, "I do." What did he say? I yeah. do too. He, I think he's saying he experiences allergies even though he lives on the West Coast. And I'm not saying I don't get allergies on the West Coast. I'm saying there's not an allergy season here. My allergies, personally, my allergies um, when I was living in L.A. last year were non-existent. And right now, they're yeah. so bad. Um, I haven't experienced this in, since I was in Michigan. So I, I did not miss this. I hate it. Yeah, no, it's it's much more mild. Out that's here. also why I send stuff. Um, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about epilogue. the epilogue. Um, so obviously, like, I, I at first I was really convinced that Sam and Frodo were just gonna die right there on the volcano. And I was like, I was for a second there, I was like, okay, I, I would be satisfied with that ending. I guess like they died and in <laughs> that would be yeah, so be really sad, sad ending. Um, and at first I was like, yeah, that's, uh, that's an accept- it's a sad ending, but it's accept- acceptable. Um, but then the scene where Frodo wakes up happens and I'm like, nah, this, the ending right here. I want this to be the ending because <laughs> that w- that's just like the peak of why I love these movies so much. That scene is just it. Like the whole time, that's what you want yeah. to get. You know, that's what you're you're craving. Just like Frodo and Sam are by the end, they're just like, I just want to be back in the chair. Or I just want to see these people again, um, and just yeah. them all together smiling in that room. And they're like, We did it. We fucking did it. Um, and that fade yeah. to black is is where I wanted it to end right there. Uh, that is that is okay. the spot. That's not where I thought gonna it was going to be. <laughs> I thought it would be after like Sam gets married and Frodo uh. finishes writing the book because I think I think it's important I think it's generally important that we see Aragorn be crowned king and him being with Arwen yeah. cuz obviously she's been out of commission the whole time and I really like Frodo like finishing Bilbo's book and all that. I think the part where they go to the Undying Lands is probably the least necessary because it like unless you have a greater context for that, um, which the extended edition doesn't even really give you, it's not super clear yeah, what's I happening no, there. I found out what's happening there by going on Reddit. Um, that, that was mainly yeah. how I found I just wanted to see people's opinions on the ending and all most of the topics were like, what the fuck happened at the end? So that was what I ran into. And I was like, yeah, yeah what did happen? I have no clue why Frodo left. Like, what's going on? Yeah, so basically the elves are immortal. So when they're done living their lives in Middle-earth, they go to this other place outside of Middle-earth where they just chill, and that's kind of their afterlife. Um, And the elves all go there because they're immortal. Um, And Gandalf can go there because he's a wizard, and I think wizards are also technically immortal. And then Frodo and Bilbo get to go because they're both bearers of the ring. Basically, if you've been exposed to the ring or corrupted by it at all, like you're just too fucked up to live in Middle-earth anymore. So you get to go to this nice elf world. 
um, where you can kind of peacefully live out the rest mm. of your life. Well, that's nice. Um, because, yeah, because Frodo, like, ultimately wouldn't be, like, fully recovered no matter what. So staying in the Shire wouldn't have totally yeah. worked for him. Um, yeah, that's nice, actually. I wish I would have known. That's that's really nice. I'm glad Frodo. I, I, me, I mean, yeah. if you listen to this podcast, if you know me, you know I'm, like, I, I don't like resolution might be like one of my least favorite parts of a movie. Like I, I'm a fan of like movies that end and then you have to think what happens next, or you have to think about it or like everything's not spoon, like mm-hmm. epilogues in general and resolution to me is being spoon fed. What happens next basically. And like, I assumed, I assumed yeah. Aragorn was going to be king. I assumed all this stuff was going to happen. I, I didn't know about the elf place, I guess, but I don't feel like I needed to. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of people on Reddit also thought it was an important, the book thing was very important too. Um, him writing, finishing Bilbo's book. Yeah. If you don't have that scene, then they don't say exactly. the Lord of the Rings and exactly. you have to have that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, I don't, I, I, Bilbo's like, Bilbo's a great character. I didn't really care about him that much at that point. We barely see him in these movies, but obviously he's like the main character of the Hobbit. Um, so I guess it's yes. nice to see what happens to him at the end of his life for people who are fans of the Hobbit, um, which seems to be only yeah. book fans. I mean, obviously the Hobbits came, the Hobbit movies came after this and those are not as, uh, enduring the Hobbit in quality books come before the Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit is one book. Yeah, it did come out before Lord of the Rings. It's a book that's like a hundred pages. Um, it's very short and it's not nearly as in depth as Lord of the Rings. Um, and the general, the general issue is that they basically made three Lord of the Rings style movies out of this tiny little book. Um, so they had to expand out so much stuff to get this material to fit three movies because it wasn't mm-hmm. built for that. Um, and that's, th- that's the bigger weakness. They also, yeah, like Charlie says in the chat, uh, they added a ton of stuff that wasn't in the book just because they needed to, cause you know, a studio came to Peter Jackson and like, do three more Lord of the Rings movies. We'll give you a million dollars. And he was like, well, yeah, easy. easy." Just add a bunch Um, of shit to this book. So yeah, the Hobbit is the prequel to the Lord of the Rings, but it's, it's just, it's more of a children's book than Lord of the Rings is. Um, yeah, there was an animated Hobbit movie, which does cover the book more accurately. And so that's, that's Bilbo's story, but it's very short. It's basically, there are some dwarves. They're like, we need to get our treasure out of the mountain because a dragon stole our treasure. They go to the mountain. They defeat the dragon. Bilbo goes home. And basically, there's a, a moment where Bilbo meets Gollum and steals the ring from him. And that's like all the context for the oh, ring in that movie. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's, that's The Hobbit in a nutshell. Is It's a separate adventure, and the ring is sort of very tangentially involved. And then The Lord of the Rings is where you know, things really spiral out of control. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> My friends yeah. in college really wanted to watch the Hobbit and I was like, I haven't even seen Lord of the Rings and I heard these aren't good. So why would I watch this? <laughs> yeah. I never saw the last Hobbit cause I just yeah. lost interest. Well, Martin Freeman's in the Hobbit. Um, he, he is, he the, is Hobbit, the Hobbit and he is in Fargo season one. So <laughs> he's oh, the okay. main character cool. in Fargo season one. Yeah, he's also Watson wow. in Sherlock. I do like Martin Freeman, so because yeah, he is in—he's cool uh, in the Cornetto trilogy too. Yeah, 
and he's in uh, and, uh, Black Panther. He's he's God, everywhere. That Martin Freeman is. I I see him in everything. Um. All right. Tune in next week for our hour long podcast about Martin Freeman. <laughs> Where we we don't talk about any movies or shows he's in. We just sort of talk about First him we as go a into depth on his face, and then we kind of judge his other body parts, and then <laughs> yeah, we start at the top and work our <laughs> yeah. way down. Uh, so the end of the podcast yep, will be about um, his toes. Which obviously, we have feed pics of him. Uh, they're on the internet. We've all seen it. Yeah. Well, yeah. in in the Hobbit, he's obviously yeah. barefoot because he's a Hobbit. So there's a yeah, lot of information of out there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, do I have anything else to say about I'll, Lord of the Rings? Is just so it was great. It's probably one of my favorite trilogies yeah. ever now. Um, and I, yeah, yeah, I'm glad I finally bullied you into watching it through Hell this yeah. podcast. I mean, I was going to watch it eventually. Miriam has also been begging me to watch these movies with her. And like, I clearly, mm-hmm. I had watched the first one before. Um, but I'm glad I rewatched the first one too, because I was like, I kind of need to rewatch this. <laughs> Um, and I'm really glad it did. Yeah. So, I would say, give it a year or two, and then maybe try the mm. extended editions. Because uh, there are a lot of people who say once you go extended, you never go back. I don't know if that's totally fair, but there's a lot in the extended editions that's really enjoyable and and helps give context to some of the more okay. nuanced stuff. Yeah. I'll have to check them out. I still want to watch like director's cut of Last Jedi. Mm. There's still a bunch of like extended editions out there I want to watch. Yeah. Oh, there's director's no director's cut of Last Jedi, just some commentary. Yeah. Ryan Johnson, I think, kind of famously doesn't do director's yeah. cuts. Who needs director's cuts? Come on, Zack Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, <laughs> Zack Snyder. I mean, look, I know you need to make that hole deeper, but do we really need Justice League <laughs> Come Snyder on, edition? Um, ratings, I guess. I mean, we have three movies to rate here. Um, yeah, which, uh, I gave two of them four and a half and one of them four, like they're all fantastic. I'm still like, I might like one of these deserves a five. And if any of them are going to get a five, it's going to be the first one probably. So I might go back and give fellowship a five, Okay, but fellowship and return of the king have four and a half for me and four for the two towers. Yeah, I, I think I line up with that exactly. I'm also debating, either return of the king or fellowship getting a five um i think those are both fantastic like peak lord of the rings i'm, I'm probably going to fiddle around on letterbox after this to try and figure that out but for this podcast i'll say four and a half for one and three and four for the middle one just yeah, because of the it just feels like like i feel like if i were to rate the trilogy i would give it a five so it feels like one of them should be a five like yeah, absolutely. Like, especially watching the extended editions, you get a sense that like this is all just one giant story. Like the breaks are just so they could put them in movie theaters. If Peter Jackson had his way, we'd all be watching the six <laughs> yeah. discs it takes to watch it the extended editions. Maybe it should have been a TV show then. Um, I- yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if it works as a TV show. Like, because each disc is two hours yeah. roughly. Um, honestly. <laughs> and I almost feel like you should just watch them yeah. all back to back. Well, people, that's what people do to TV shows. Um, it transcends, anyways. It. It transcends TV media. shows anyways. So. <laughs> I know. I know. That's the thing is like, t- that's why we always say like TV and movies are yeah. just the same thing now. Um, but 
It's it's I would yeah, I would argue it almost transcends that kind of definition of TV movie. It just is. It's just great yeah, filmmaking. It's 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 as good as people have told me it is. So um yeah. yeah, this was not I was not disappointed by this at all. Charlie says I need to watch the behind the scenes. I agree. I'll watch any behind the scenes. Is there easily is yeah. there things I can watch on YouTube for free? I just watched the reunion that Josh got uh, them. Cause I was yeah, I would say uh, the. I, um, hold on, let me turn off my FBI. Let me find all the FBI bugs in my house. You can probably watch oh. it free on YouTube. I'm pretty sure someone's up. I think someone's uploaded all okay. the appendices on YouTube. Um, but officially on the record, I have the DVD box set, and that's the only way I've ever watched those special features. Of course, I'll pay for them. Um, if anyone's. Yeah, but like if you search Lord of the Rings appendices okay. on YouTube, you might find okay, okay. some results. Um, Marty, Marty's calling the cops. Marty, stop. Put down the phone. Put down Marty, the phone. Marty, no, no, Marty. I'll watch, I'll watch <laughs> the Irishman again. Don't call the cops. <laughs> Mar- Look, I know I complained about how your movie was too long and then watched 11 and a half hours of Lord of the Rings, but like, I'm yeah, sorry, that's, Marty. That's what I was about to say. Marty's like, what the hell? This movie's as long as the Irishman and he likes it. <laughs> yeah. I watched, I literally over the last week watched two movies that are as long as The Irishman and then a movie that is over a half hour longer than The Irishman. Um, but yeah, but I think all these movies are better than The Irishman. So sorry, Marty. Yes. Fair. Suck Got it, em. Marty. Suck it, Marty. Suck it. Oh, damn. We're in the two hour mark of this podcast, too. This is the true Lord of the Rings. I mean, I knew I knew this was going to happen because we had to talk about three of the yeah. biggest movies ever made. Um, well, outro us, baby. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. Um, until next time, stay big, you hobbits and elves. <laughs> <laughs>